Hi, this is Carrie Brownstein. This is DJ Premier. This is Darren Aronofsky. You got the Rizzo right here. Rose McGowan. Right here. Aisha Tyler. Tron Colquest. Fred Armisen. Fritz Paul. Javier Munoz. Seth Meyers. Frankie Cosmos. Flying Lotus. Hi, we're Haim, and you're listening to the Talk House Podcast. Hello and welcome to the TalkHouse Podcast. I'm Josh Modell. This week, we're resurfacing a fun, funny episode from a little over a year ago featuring Sasha Spielberg and Alana Haim. Why this week? Well, you might have seen or at least heard about Haim's stunning performance in Paul Thomas Anderson's Oscar-nominated movie, Licorice Pizza. The Oscars are on this Sunday. We didn't know she could act either. We thought she was just in one of the best bands out there. Her chat here was recorded around the time her good friend Sasha Spielberg, yes, that guy is her dad, released a great album under the name Buzzy Lee. Enjoy. I'm so happy to do our dream podcast. I know. This is really, it's it's been a long time coming. I feel like we were made to do this. Alana and I basically lived together for three months. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we lived together for three months. And I feel like we recorded each other constantly. (laughs) I would make Alana do videos. My weird bits I would make Alana (laughs) do with me. I was your boyfriend of Instagram. You were. I was your higher live-in videographer. But I was I also thinking about that this morning. I don't know. Are we starting right now? Is this happening? Is this, is it, have yeah, we started? Yeah, get into it. Alana, you're um, very beautiful. You're glowing. Oh, I have the, the, the face filter on Zoom right now. Oh. This is not how I look. Yeah, dude, there's a beauty filter on Zoom. I don't look like this. Me? I wish I could take this filter and put it on my face always, <laughs> but I can't. If I'm posting on Instagram, I swipe right or left constantly to get Paris filter, but I automatically do it now. So if I'm taking photos of inanimate objects, I put Paris filters on them. That's how sick I am. It's, it's just, not sick. It's just the it's the times that we're living in. But I was actually thinking about when we lived together because I... Sasha took... To all the listeners who are listening to this, which also who is listening to this, this is terrifying... I like went through a crazy thing where I had to like leave my house very much unexpectedly and I like couldn't take anything with me. It was a very traumatic experience. And the person that took me in was Sasha. And I've never lived with anyone before other than my siblings. I had never had like a roommate. Um, And I just remember like the first 20 minutes of the morning were us apologizing to each other for no (laughs) no reason. We're like both, we're both such people pleasers that like in the morning, I'd be like, I'm so sorry that I opened the door. I'm sure you were sleeping. I'm so sorry. And you'd be like, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. My laundry machine was going. I'm so sorry. Did you sleep well? No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I flushed the toilet and I'm sure it woke you up. After we were both exhausted, we would then start our day. But it started with full. It's just a classic case of a hundred sorries before breakfast. Yeah, it we was great. We, Alana and I say sorry, but actually the best part of living with Alana, with you, was that point in a friendship where you feel like sisters because you run into each other completely coincidentally and you don't hug. I feel like it's weird when you hug someone that's like your family. Like I don't hug my siblings. Like No, I never hug. I don't hug any of my siblings. Actually, my <laughs> older sister, Jessica, is a hugger. So it's a lot of hugging her. But Theo and I, I think we <laughs> hugged maybe once in our, I mean, yeah. truly. It's an unspoken thing with your siblings. I know. And so that's when you and I knew. We're siblings. We're sisters. I am the, I mean, I am the fourth time sister. I you really are. am. There will be moments where also... Alana and I will take photos of each other or see photos of each other. We look exactly like it's we all, look, it's weird. 
I should be in your family and you should be in mine. Also, we're friends. The greatest part of our friendship is that, I mean, there are many great things, but is that (laughs) I'm so close with your family. You are so close. I mean, you know my family so well and you've been over for holidays (laughs) and and Super Bowl Sundays. Everyone from my family loves you and I hope it's the same. It is very much the same. No, it's great. We We've been friends for a very long time. So our friendship started, Theo... So my brother Theo and I were in a band called Wardell, and we got this amazing slot at South By. And this was when we were first starting out. And it was playing the outdoor of Stubbs. And it was Vampire Weekend, Haim, and Sky Ferreira, and Small Black. And we were the first of four. And then I think Sky Ferreira didn't make it that night. Yeah, I was think I don't remember. <laughs> so it was just the three bands and or four four. And Alana and I had never we had never you you and I had never met, I don't think. And I don't think so. You knew Theo, I think. And I think yeah. We played Stubbs. It was our biggest show ever and we got so drunk after my band being like, guys, this is the start of the rest of our lives. We just played Stubbs. And then you guys were already kind of, you had been broken. I think two years before you would, you would been, you were, you were big. And I think that was our second South by. I just remember I had the biggest crush on this dude that was in a band at South by. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget. That was one of the biggest moments of my life. I had, the, I had a crush on this dude for forever and he never gave me the time of day. And then first, I think because I was so wasted, I just kind of went for it and it was great. And then our friendship started, but our friendship wasn't solidified until there was one day, I forget what we were doing in the morning, but we had hung out in the morning. Oh my God. And then, and then you were going through it with your then boyfriend. I went home and then I think you had talked to him or something. And then I remember being like, I'm coming back over and we had a double date that yes. day. It was, we, we hung out in the morning and then I came back and I had brought Whispering Rose. Angel. Whispering, Whispering Angel. Angel. <laughs> Which is so crazy. Because at that point, I like didn't even know what you drank. So I, was, I guess this is fine. I'll just get Rosé, Whispering Angel. Every basic bitch like, loves Whispering Angel. I know. I know. It was very basic. And then I came over and we solidified our friendship that day. And right? then the rest is history. That's a very long-winded intro to our friendship, but it's great. Because our friendship has been through different tiers. Like I lived kind of far from you for the first two years of our friendship. So we didn't really see each other a lot, but we taught, we texted Alana, you and I at one time did a reading, a live dramatic reading of our earliest texts. And they're so awkward. It's like, it's, I know it's so awkward. It's weirdly like I'm trying to like date you. You can tell that I was so nervous texting you because <laughs> I really wanted us to be friends. Me too. So like, I wanted weirdly, <laughs> so bad. I felt we were so similar. I think we took a couple like dance classes together. We're ready yeah. to get our groove on. LOL. Yes. Oh ha my God. Ha. I like die. a lot of ha ha ha's, a lot of LOL's, a lot of, oh my God, that's so funny. I mean, it was such a funny text. I think we also said words that I don't think we've ever said in our life. To be, I think I was trying to be almost cool. And I was like, that's, I, I forget what word. Oh my God. Do you remember? I weirdly feel like I was like, I kept on repeating like, that's awk. Like A-W-K yes. for like awkward. Like that's so British. awk. I'm being so awk or something <laughs> like that, which is so weird because I would never say that now. I want to literally bury myself under sand. I'm just I think like, I'm I am closer to you. And then we would see each other. I mean, truly, I would see you probably four times a week. 
Yeah. Before pre-COVID. I know. It really, I mean, COVID really put a wrench in our plans, but I know. We're still standing after all these years. We're still I'm so happy. And I cherish you and I'm so happy that we're doing this because we we need to do a podcast together. It's just what it is. Patreon. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. God, what would we even call it? Jews. 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 Just Jews. Just Jews. Just coming to you in 2022. <laughs> just Jews. 2020 Jew. I would so. love to just interview each other about our love for each other. So it's why I think I know. Doing, this is our entire podcast is just a love letter to each other. I know. I Everyone who's listening it. has now just fast forwarded through our whole intro. I get it, guys. We're okay, about you how love much we each love. other. <laughs> okay, you don't hug in public. It's cool. But we both, it's funny because. So we also had a similar music situation where you made music with your siblings and I was making music with my brother. So we were, which is rare to find friends who have similar paths with the sibling thing. And then I would always ask you advice. Oh, what do you do when you just get so annoyed with your sibling? Because it's your sibling. Because on tour, when you're touring with, I mean, there was a time where like Theo and I shared a room for a three-week tour, which we were 24 and 26 and that's just too, it's also brother and sister. And it it was such a, we really would snap at each other the whole tour. It was uncomfortable for our band, I think, because we'd wake up and if he was hungry, he'd get in a bad mood. If I was tired, I'd be in a bad mood. And there is that language that you have with siblings. That's so actually amazing for writing music, I'm sure. Do you feel that? Yeah. I don't know if I could be in a band with anybody else because I, even though my, we're not the Partridge family, me and my sisters fight all the time. <laughs> not around people, obviously, but we do fight. <laughs> I feel like people think that we live in bunk beds and love each other constantly and that we're just a sitcom, but we're not. I think I'll go for a walk outside now. The, sun, the summer sun's calling my name. Um, I hear it now. <laughs> in the very beginning of time, we would all three share beds in our rooms and we would get like double double beds SD yeah. because she's the oldest get her own bed and then me and Danielle would share yeah and it was crazy I mean yeah you can imagine the the fights that we had but it but then it's I remember in middle school having a band with my friends and it made me so aggravated that they couldn't read my mind because mm. SD Danielle can completely Obviously not really but they could they, everything with me and my sisters was very much I knew where they were going because we had been making we've been playing music since I was four so That's it was insane. yeah it is wild when I tried to be in a fun middle school band with my other friends I, I got so frustrated and I was taking it too seriously I was like we need to practice we need to do all these things and they were all we're just trying to have fun And that was, no, can't do it. So then, of course, with my sisters, we were always just so always on the same page and figured it out. I don't know. (laughs) No, completely. And in Theo and I, there is this implicit language there between siblings where it is mind reading. And also there's no filter. So if you don't think, if you're writing a song with your siblings and some you don't agree with a lyric or a chord progression, you, you're not afraid to say it. And in fact, totally. it's so to the point, I'm very short with Theo and Theo is very short with me. And we do this with, no, I don't, no, I don't like that. Whereas you and I are both people pleasers. We identify True. as people pleasers. And yes. we with anyone else, it is it, it's so easy to dance around something and be like, oh my God, that's I like that. But um 
yeah, I like that. I want to sit with that for a little. Yeah, totally. And I can't, I can't no, do it. Same. And then for, so I just recorded, which you've, you've obviously know, but I just did, I, I have an album coming out on yes. January 29th mm. and it's Nicholas Jar produced it. And he is my best friend from college. I keep saying university. From university. From from uni. From uni. Oh, we said at the same time. We said at the same time. It's so oh my, oh my god, babes. Oh, we'll get into love vibes. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. But Nico and I, because we're so close and he knows me so well, he's able to call me out. If I present him with a lyric that I know is bullshit and the only reason I wrote it was because it sounded good, mm-hmm. he will challenge me and be like, okay, let's, let's, let's talk about this. And that's the beauty of working with someone you know so well and why I only ever want to collaborate with friends and family. Yeah, it's true. We couldn't have done, I mean, anything and, and unless we had Ariel. When we met Ariel mm. on our first record, and now we have Rossam, which is also incredible to have Rossam in in the team, on the team, in the crew. On the um, team. But, but I remember I met Ariel at a bar in Silver Lake. I wasn't even, I would think I was with Essie. I wasn't even with Danielle. And I met him and we like instantly had the same, because he's a Valley kid. He went to Hamilton. We had very similar viewpoints on the Valley and of being humans. And we just like instantly clicked. And now I can't even imagine not having Ariel. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, it just, it's, you find your puzzle piece. He's the brother that I, always wanted but he I don't think he feels the same way about me I don't think I think I'm the sister that he never wanted but he's the brother that I always wanted but when you find those people that you can treat as family that are not in your family they're very cherished oh so cherished just yeah the no the unfiltering that's my favorite part because I am so filtered constantly with people in my life and I have boundary issues (laughs) and so it's fun having there's just you're able to have boundaries with people you're closest with and closest to but yeah that it's so I think also you and I got along immediately because we had the shared language of growing up in LA and even though you were valley I was west side we have so many mutual friends Yes. So many. I have this term called cozy boy, which is a very specific type of guy who was raised on the west side of Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. They wear like socks around their parents' house and put on Laker games on Sunday and they get very cozy. Their pantries are stocked with sweet cereal, but in plastic containers that are all labeled. It's a very specific type of guy that Rome's LA. It's called Cozy Boy. And it's very specific to LA. And I've I've dated so many of them. And I've it dated, never works exactly. out. <laughs> and cozy boys never work out. And you think they should because they all love their moms. Yes. They all love burying themselves in a couch, chips and guac. I'm feeling guy. insanely triggered by by this I know, explanation. I know. It's it's big chill. It's apple pan. I know. It's like it's cozy boy. And Alana, you and I have dated. A couple so many. cozy boys. Oh, I went to public school my whole life and I wasn't introduced to this form of dude until I was, I think, a sophomore in high school because I went I went to my first high school party, sophomore year of high school, because my parents were very... I mean, your parents were very strict. My parents oh, were Oh, both of our strict. parents were so strict. Yeah, so strict. And funny story, my mom, being a, a nice Jewish woman forever, was always, when you go over to someone's house, you need to bring a baked good or something to say thank you for having them at your house. 
And I've always had that ingrained in my mind. So at my first house party in high school, I baked a cake to go to a house party. Oh, this is a true story. Stop it. I baked a cake because I thought, because this is how crazy I am. I thought that everyone did that (laughs) because I had never really gone to parties before. Basically, the parties that I went to were bat mitzvahs. I'm like, that, you don't bring something to a bat mitzvah. That's weird. That's weird. That but, is, a house, that. but a house party in high school. Yeah, for sure. You bring a baked good. I showed up with a glass Pyrex with a cake that I made to the party. And I showed up and everyone was like, why? Why did you bring? But did they eat the cake? So then, because I'm also crazy, because I was so proud of myself for this boxed cake. It wasn't even like I made it from scratch. I literally made a boxed Uh, cake. Betty Betty Crocker. Totally. Uh, Pillsbury or something. Pillsbury. And I was so, because I was crazy and I also didn't get out very much, was obsessed with people trying this cake. And I'll never forget the first time, the first cozy boy I ever dated was the way that we met was I was handing out my chocolate cake that I had brought to this high school party. He had he had come up to me and was like, can I try a piece of your cake? Which now when I'm like thinking back on it, like maybe that was a sexual innuendo. I have no idea. I had just gotten my braces off also. That's a very key point. I had just gotten my braces off. During Were you licking? Like, like, remember that? Yeah. <laughs> I literally finally felt like I was maybe semi-attractive. No dude had ever really talked to me at that point. And so like we like talked and like I gave him a piece of the cake and he really liked yeah, it. Yeah, you did. And then, and then we dated for four months. Also, if, if he is even listening to this, this is so embarrassing, but... Even I don't even know how he... I don't know. Whatever. Oh, got it. But he... So we dated for four months and I'll never forget. I was in love with him. I mean, right. he was... I was head over heels in love. That first love that like you have no bound... You have no walls. No. Which is the scariest... I mean, first cut is the deepest. He was my first love. And I've still to this day have never loved someone harder than this person because I had no walls. I've, I've never loved someone without Unbridled walls. Unbridled love. Yes. Totally. So I fell full head over heels in love with him as, I mean, how old was I? Like 15. Mm-hmm. And I remember he broke up with me after four months. And still, I think back on this relationship. This was like a relationship to end all relationships. And it really only lasted four months. And four months and 15 is like a year and a half. In it's a lifetime. 28. Yeah. So lifetime. I remember he, he broke up with me in his car. And I was so devastated. And I what remember kind of car? like, I don't remember. I think it was a Honda or something. I don't even remember. It was like, oh, oh whatever. Yeah. Nothing too crazy. Sedan? Which I feel like a Honda is very cozy boy, weirdly. No, like. Prius is cozy boy, I think. Prius, Prius is cozy Prius boy. Prius is cozy boy. Sure, sure, but sure. then some cozy boys drive Escalades, like 2003 yeah, cozy boy. totally. He was a very chill yeah, cozy yeah, yeah. boy, but he broke up with me in his car. And I remember I ran into the house and I closed the door and I put my, I will vividly remember this. I put my back to the door and was crying and I slowly, <laughs> slowly slid down the, like, the, the door. I slid down the door in the OC episode. I literally think that I saw that in the OC and was, oh, I need to do this. I'm so dramatic. And then it gets even worse, which also we can, this probably is a good segue into another thing that we can talk about was so. I was so distraught about this boy that I was like, I need to write a song. <laughs> I have so many things to say. Of course. I need to write a song. So I sat in my room and I wrote this song and I thought that I was so incredible for writing this song. Now looking Joni back on it, it was probably the worst. Yeah, I was, oh my God, this is my blue. I'm, okay. I'm incredible. When mm-hmm. now looking back on it, it was the worst song I'd ever written. And 
me and my sisters had had a gig. We were playing this place called, which I feel like only our group kind of knew about this club, which was called The Unknown. Mm, of course. Did you ever go to The Unknown? You went to The Unknown. I, you must have gone to The Unknown. I never went, but of course I knew of it. There's this place called The Unknown Theater, and it was a place where, I mean, low-key, they would give underage people beer. Mm. That was the big thing, was you can go and get beer. They would You would pay $10, and then you could get a free beer, which is also yeah. a great deal. And I remember we had a gig, and the this said guy, my ex-boyfriend at that point, had showed up, and we hadn't seen each other. This was maybe a month later. We hadn't seen each other since we broke up, and I was like, I'm going to sing this song. No. I'm going to sing this song. Oh, so embarrassing. I'm going to sing the song. And I'm going to look him in the face and, I'm, and it's going to feel so good. I'm going to feel so good because I'm going to expose Wait, it's him for breaking. Reality full, bites. Full Ethan. Spin. What's his name? <laughs> Is it Ethan Hawke? Ethan Hawke. Hawk. Just looking at 100%. 100%. He was in front. Yeah. And I literally saw him and I fully, my sisters also didn't know that I was going to do this. I was, I'm, I mean, the most impulsive thing I've ever done. Baby Hunt. And, and, I sang the song to his face and he cried. Stop it. <laughs> he cried? He, like he, a tear shed. Oh my God. I pretty much wanted to be in an episode of the OC. Started to bring it back up again. But like he like ran out of the venue, which felt very OC too. Did you run after and him? No, I didn't run after him. Well, we that didn't wasn't OC. Him. Yeah, it wasn't OC. <laughs> we didn't get back to We didn't kiss in the rain or anything like that. But, but he like, just got back in his Honda. I... And I remember while I was doing it, my thought process was, this was a bad idea. Why did I do mm. this? Oh God, I should not have done this. I This is bad. And and there were so many verses. There were way too many verses. It's never ending. <laughs> it's hurting. It's never ending. Now he's one of my closest friends and we laugh about this and he brings it up constantly. But after that, I was like, oh my God, I can't. I mean, it's it's so I will I will never sing a breakup song to the to person. The person. I'll, I'll write song I write songs about my exes all the time. Mia and Danielle always write songs about our relationships and stuff like that. But the 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 singing to, to the guy, no. Can't no, do it. Full eye Cannot contact. Yeah. Verse number seven. He's I'm gonna get another beer. <laughs> this exactly. is long. This is a soliloquy. That's I yeah, I was I was dating a guy. This is Whispering Angel, Alana. By the way, Alana came over with Whispering Angel. She's, we're both, fuck him. This is this yeah. is a terrible relationship. Fuck him. Three days later, he and I were back together because that, <laughs> I think we were taking a talking break. It was very tumultuous. I was completely addicted to the highs and the lows of the relationship. It was my first toxic relationship. Actually, now I, today, this week, it's so funny. I actually have so much compassion for him. And I, I think I easily do this with a lot of my exes. I really vilify them and I make them the enemy and woe is me and I've done nothing wrong. They're the worst. My whole album has so much about who I was trying to be in the relationship and how that wasn't enough for this ex. And I have compassion because we just, I think we were both, I think it obviously takes two all the time. So I'm trying to be very Zen in that way because I do have a tendency, but to just make them the worst. But I also think that Sometimes my exes act the worst. But anyway, they do, they do fully. <laughs> they so do. I was in this, like, <laughs> they really do. <laughs> I was in this sort of dance with this guy for four years, but over four years. And I wrote this song that was very much a 
heartbreak breakup song about him. Actually, my whole EP was about him. And it was about how I'm in this terrible relationship with someone. And he and I were still together when it came out. He had heard the songs. He had listened to the lyrics, but we never addressed it. And the lyrics are like, you want to take my heart and make a big mess with it. <laughs> One time in our break, we were on a break, and then he came to, I, I played a show in Nashville, and that's where he was living, and he came to see the show, and I felt so awkward playing all these songs about him, because he was there, and at the end, he was actually, he was so kind, and was like, that was great, and then he said, I love Strange Town," which is a heartbreak song about us, and it, it just is uncomfortable knowing someone is in the audience. That's my only experience with that. Just someone that the song's about is in the audience. It's weird. When you have to perform these songs, do you feel like you're reliving it or is it just muscle memory and you're just sort of playing? Or do you get into it again? Do you go back in time? There's one specific song on the new record that me and my sisters just put out that is called Another Try that I had a specific ex in mind while I was writing that song with my sisters. And I remember when we were writing it, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to sing this because it's really hard to relive this relationship. And so I don't know yet. I haven't performed it yet because we haven't been on tour, but because of COVID. But, But yeah, it's... This record that we just put out specifically, there's a lot of songs that I'm really scared to play live because mm-hmm. it's just so there's it's very intense. But mm-hmm. I don't know, we'll see. It might also just be. I mean, I'm just ready to play. I'm ready to go oh. on tour the second that it's available. Completely, but, which I'm sure you are too. We're I both mean, itching to get on tour. I'm itching. I was just only dipping my toes in because I had toured with Theo and I toured with a full band, but I, I then kind of went solo. I went solo, <laughs> and I had that Buzzy Lee as my solo project or my solo. Mm -hmm. That's what I do now. And I was almost just dipping my toes in because I had never played an instrument on stage. I was always just a singer and Mm -hmm. had a bagging band. And this was my first time. I only started playing keyboard on stage, not because I'm good at it, because I'm not that good at it, but only because You are good at it. That's so sweet. You stop, dude. Be nice (laughs) to yourself, my dog. Be nice to yourself. Thank you. I'm not- I hate that talk. I know. Okay, fine. I'm fine at it. I'm, I'm okay at it. I can get by. But the only reason I started playing keyboard on stage is because I just didn't want to hire a keyboardist and I wanted to keep it right. really minimal. So I hired Ben, who Ben Fletcher, who's an amazing guitarist and he was sort of MD and he was triggering all the samples. He was, he was doing a lot and that, it was so fun just playing with one other person. And so I was just getting really into that way of touring with just one other person. We didn't have a manager. We didn't have a manager. We didn't have a sound person. It was just us two driving a sedan across the States. So and nice. it was so fun. And I was just dipping my, it feels like it just was so new to me before COVID. I, I still felt like I was just learning my tour. I don't know, just getting my, what is it called? What am I trying to say? Dipping my toes. I mean, it just feels so, I was just scratching the surface. And so to have, you guys have been touring since you were how old? I went on my first tour when I was... I think I had freshly turned 18. I'm also so bad at, With time. at years and time yeah. where everything always meshes together. But I, I was in high school. Crazy. And I think... I think No, I was 18 because I turned... Did I turn 18 in senior... I think I did turn 18 in my senior year. I'm old for my grade. Mm, December but, birthday. 
December. <laughs> but uh, I, Danielle, my middle sister, which well, I don't know, Danielle had for our, li- for our listeners, my middle <laughs> sister, Danielle, had been touring with Julian Casablancas for like a year at that point. And I was a senior in high school and Essie was a senior in college. And he was like, do you want your sisters to open up for the band on this tour that we're doing on his solo project? And we were like, are you fucking kidding me? Because we were talking about this earlier, like who we wanted to be when we were in like seventh grade, sixth and seventh grade. Like I wanted to be Julian Casablancas. Like I thought he Wait, was... me too. Me too. What? Oh my God. No, dude. What? No, no, no. no. I swear in my life. There are, if you find recordings of me when I was 15, I tried to sound like him. And oh my God. if you listen to them, I sound nothing like him, but you can hear that I'm obviously, it was like a mix, but it was like, who was I obsessed with? God, it was Julian. I loved his voice, but you wanted to be him in terms of like the way you dressed? I wanted to be him in terms of, I thought, I mean, he still is a genius. I feel when the strokes came out, my life, I mean, I've talked about this a million times, but when the strokes came out, it changed my life. Yeah, it completely. really was. I pretty much before listening to the strokes had only like listened to like Blue's Clues. Like I literally was like <laughs> a Spice child. Girl. My like- second show ever as Buzzy Lee was with Julian Casablanca's. It was at Largo and it was a live podcast for Launch Left and they do artists, new artist spotlight. And I was the new artist and then they, and Julian Casablanca's play played three songs and I played three songs. So oh funny that we have that. I was obsessed with him. So were you. And then we both played our earliest shows ever with him. Uh, I remember getting the call from Danielle being like, Julian wants us to open. And I, the, the blood curdling scream that <sighs> oh I let God. out, it was literally, I think I almost fainted. I was so fucking pumped. And it, I had two weeks left of high school left. Wow. And I was, I don't care, obviously. <laughs> it's I'm almost going. famous. It is almost famous. It's almost it famous. Is. It's almost famous. And I went on that tour and it was us in a van. And we just, I think we did two or a week and a half or something. Because I remember I came back and I immediately graduated and all my teachers were pissed because I had missed finals or whatever. And that was my first tour. Was, I remember, and, and I remember there was one night where everybody went out. We were like in Nashville and everyone went out to a bar, like a, like a honky tonk or something. Mm-hmm. And... I wasn't allowed in and I had to stand outside. No. <laughs> I stood outside for like two hours. Your ear pressed. Your ear Literally, pressed to the door. I was standing outside the door. The bouncer was like, you're a child. You're not getting into this bar. And I also didn't have a fake ID that was good enough at that point. And so I watched my sisters and everyone in Julian's band and Julian party. And I was just outside. So sad, but also pretending I was a part of the party. Oh laughing. my God. When, like, I'm, when I'm a, a mile away from everyone, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> That's so funny. I can't really hear you guys, but whatever. You're just striking up conversations with people at crosswalks, trying to get yeah, to, exactly. like, going to the bar. Are yes. you here? And also, this was before smartphones, so it's not like I oh could go on Instagram. Or I like Candy Crush. Just, totally. I literally just st- stood outside and was like, okay, so I'm, this is my life. That but I felt so great. That is so funny. But you felt great because you were on tour with Julian. I know, it was Julian. That it was is like really, the beginning. Oh, God, that, that's so... What, and you were 18. Mm-hmm. See, it's very 18. cool. Yeah, you. I went to... It's very cool. You guys all really just dove into music. You knew what you wanted to do. You just started doing it. My parents were really strict about academics. And, oh, I know Esty oh. went to UCLA. 
As you went to UCLA, I, I think that's like oldest. The, the like my parents were like, we need this person to succeed. Right. So like, I feel like it's like a very like by the time I came around, like my parents were like, I don't just don't, do you like don't okay. fail. One of my earliest memories was me bringing home spelling homework and me being like, Mom, I like literally can't memorize this, and she was like, Don't worry about it. like spelling's not in our blood. Like, we're bad spellers. Like, we're just, like, bad spellers. It's 23 and me. Spelling's not in our blood. We're just really bad. Thinking that, like, it's, like, no, you actually just have to, like, learn and, like, you'll be fine. Like, there's no, there's no, like, genetic thing that, like, makes you bad at spelling. And so, literally, throughout my whole, like, throughout all of my school, all of my schooling, I was just like, ugh, it's not in my blood. Math, not in my blood. History, not in my blood. I can't, I couldn't pay attention. I still But your parents were super, you you were, like, insane. My parents valued education so much. My brother, Theo, went to Yale. Jessica went to Brown. I ended up going to Brown. It it was very, like, just we were grounded if we didn't do our homework on time. In high school, you know, I had so much trouble. I went to an all-girls school, and it was very private. It was very hard. It was prep school. It was just... But what was so great about my high school is that it wasn't even a cute all-girls school where we were all like, we had a brother's school and like we'd meet up with the boys. No boys wanted to hang out with us. No boys wanted to come to our dances. We were the nerds. And the coolest way, truly the most popular girl at my high school was one who like owned like a TI-89 instead of a TI-83. Like it was just very like, and I was getting B minuses constantly and like C pluses in from seventh to like beginning of 10th grade. And I felt so, I just felt dumb. So I overcompensated by wanting to be the cool druggy girl, but I was so afraid of drugs, but I wanted everyone to think that I was high. So I would come to school wearing sunglasses and be like, whoa, I would come to science class with my sunglasses on. And my teacher would be like, oh, do you mind removing those? I'm like, whoa, I'm so sorry. I like, didn't even realize like I have them on. You're Spicoli. You're fully Spicoli. But I was so afraid of drugs and my parents were so strict. I didn't even drink. I didn't do anything. I was not a rebel, but I so wanted to be a rebel because also 13 had come out and I was like, wow, they're cool. They're doing, they're fast. And I wanted to be fast, but I was so scared of breaking the rules. So it's just, it's just was such a, so anyway, I told my mom, I was really upset that I was getting such bad, you know, bad grades, which were B minuses. Those were, you might as well be least popular person. I was, no one thought I was cool. And I told her, I was like, I, I want to be in the musicals and I want to be in painting and I want to be in the arts or I want a lot of extracurriculars, but I'm getting B minuses and I know you want me to get A's. And then she sent me down and she was like, do the musical and get B minuses. And I said, that's an option. She said, of course, just get B minus, be a B minus girl, but do, but do the musicals. And the second I felt that freedom just from my parents, my dad, actually, uh, he wasn't part of that conversation. He really wanted me to get A's. <laughs> he didn't know. No, he didn't know. And so, but once my mom sort of implanted that acceptance into my brain, I started doing so much better in school because I did feel a bit of freedom. And so then I started getting good grades and then I really enjoyed school kind of. And I was also doing musicals and plays. And so then I ended up going to Brown, which is where I met Nico and I met all my current best friends, save for you. But I think that I, I was always so envious of my friends who actually really just knew what they wanted to do and after high school just pursued it. I'm really grateful that I, for my education at Brown and the friends that I met. And I really did come into my own as a musician, I feel like, at school. When I was in high school, Danielle, like, 
automatically knew what she wanted. Like Danielle really yeah. knew what she wanted to do. Like she, we all, we all went to community college after high school and Valley college, like kept it Valley. But Danielle got offered to be in the opening act of a band that was opening up for Jenny Lewis. And that was a really big deal. Cause she was like, I just want to be a musician on the road. She mm-hmm. knew. And Essie was in college. I was in high school. And so after Danielle, Danielle was a touring musician for like a, like a really long time. Like she was, you know, out there and I was like, so jealous. I was like, oh my God. Like she would call me and she'd be like in some crazy place. And I'd be like, you are living. And I want to do that. And, and like, while this was all going on, like my parents were like, I remember I was like a very vivid conversation with my parents when I was a senior in high school. And they were like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, oh, I want to be in Haim. And they were like, wow. Okay, well, if you're gonna be in Hyam, you're getting a job. Like, nice. you're getting a job Great. and you're going to community college, which I would have wanted to do anyways. My parents were always super supportive of us playing music because their parents weren't. Both my, my dad and my mom weren't, didn't have supportive parents that were like, oh, go be a musician. My grandpa, my mom's dad was, you're gonna be a teacher, mm-hmm. you're not gonna be a guitarist. And so my parents were always very much, if you really want to do this, go for it. But they were also like, you need to get a job. So I literally worked on Ventura Boulevard at the Crossroads Trading Company at a thrift store (laughs) for a year until I quit my, I quit working there when we went, we, we finally had gotten a gig because we had been playing every venue in LA 40 million times for people since I was a freshman in high school. So at that point we had been a band for like, I think six years. And so finally, like we got a gig to play like this showcase. What was it called? CMJ in New York. And that's when I, and that's when I quit my job. And then, and then the rest is pretty much history. Hey, this is Josh Modell, host of the Talk House podcast. We love it when musicians come on the show and talk about process, and often they'll get into the nuts and bolts of being a working artist, which can sometimes be fun and sometimes feel more like a business. Well, this episode of Talk House is brought to you by DistroKid, which is an amazing service for musicians looking to get their songs out into the world in an incredibly smart and cost-effective way. For the past decade plus, DistroKid has made it easy to get your music on all the streaming services, including Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Instagram, and more. You keep 100% of your earnings minus a flat yearly fee, which is a better deal than you'll find anywhere else. More than a million artists use DistroKid, and the latest version of their app is better than ever. It includes features that make it easy to see your account details, including the money you've earned, as well as to seamlessly edit things like lyrics and metadata across platforms. There's even a feature called Instant Share, which allows you to easily share files with your bandmates, booking agent, playlist curators, and more. DistroLock allows you to protect your songs. DistroKid users get a YouTube official artist channel, too. The list goes on. The DistroKid app is available on iOS and Android. Go check it out today. Seattle in the 90s. A tidal wave of iconic music roars out of this sleepy city and launches a pop culture revolution. Here's a story you haven't heard. Let the Kids Dance is a new podcast about the rise and fall of Seattle's teen dance ordinance, the law that made it illegal for young people to go to concerts. A story of moral panic, grassroots activism, and an unstoppable music community that fought for its freedom. Listen to Let the Kids Dance from KUOW and the NPR Network. Hey, TalkHouse listeners, it's Josh Modell. 
Instead of encouraging you to listen to podcasts today, I'm here to encourage you to read something great. The particular something I have in mind is the second issue of The Talkhouse Reader, the print zine spearheaded by our fantastic music editor, Annie Fell. This issue is focused on the intersection of food and music, and it features contributions from Maddie Matheson, Coleman Domingo, Squirrel Flower, Sam Evian, the Blessed Madonna, and more. There are pieces about eating while on tour, the gentrification of food, cooking as a creative catalyst, and much, much more. You can order a copy today, along with the first issue, at store.talkhouse.com. Please do check it out. So while you were working at Crossroads, did you have peers who were kind of like killing it in music and you were always, I mean, I guess your sister was doing, yeah. living the life that you, but were, were there any other people in your mm. friend group who were killing it and you just wanted to get out of that? Uh, the moment that I was like, I really need to get out of here was I had, I mean, we, I mean, we've also talked about this. I had a bully. I've had, I've been, had a bully in every school that I ever went to. I would, I was constantly bullied throughout my whole schooling career if you would say i had a bully that would bully me since second grade she would constantly make me cry and it was i was the i was the crying kid in middle in elementary school which is so embarrassing no but i would cry all the time that is such a thing that is such a thing the crying kid yeah, so these this group of girls really just picked me out of the crowd and was we're we're gonna make this girl's life a living hell. And it was Ugh. very, very awful. And I remember I was working at Crossroads and I was at the cash register and I had to check out no. my bully. She no. had come to shop. No. And I remember there was a long line of people that waiting for me to check them out. And I saw her in the line and this cold sweat that I, I was sweating out of every place that you could sweat. Even though I was way older, I couldn't even be like, you ruined my life. Of course. <laughs> Have you like, told oh her God. yet? I was like, people pleaser. Dude, it's like people pleaser to like the max. Like even then I was like, oh, how are you? Like what's yeah. going on? Like, oh, you look great. Like very much like people pleaser. Like I don't want to, I don't want to, you yeah. know, rock the boat. And then after she left, I was like, I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so yeah, I can't. Yeah. The valley, I need to get out of the valley. I need to not be here because I can't, I can't do this. It was so bad. It's, but you and I also share... I mean, thank God we went through this, but I I felt not cute when I, I mean, truly seventh through 12th grade, I would say I felt no boys desired me. I just wanted to freak dance with a boy. I have diary entries that are like, why don't boys want to freak with me? I know I looked cute tonight. I had a few pimples, but who cares? I was very obsessed with freak dancing with a boy. Oh, 100%. And you and I share that, which is you feel just awkward in your skin. I don't think I'm friends with anyone who never went through an awkward phase. I don't know if I can be friends with People who I can't. I can't. I, I envy them still to this day. And then you develop a sense of humor because you have to be the oh, funny yeah. one. And Talk about seventh grade. Seventh grade is our biggest, our topic of conversation on a daily basis. We have this theory. Me and Sasha have this theory that the way you are in seventh grade is literally the way you are for the rest for of life. your life. And it's, I very much stand by this because I still feel, even when it comes to guys and dating now, I still feel like I'm in seventh grade and I don't know how my game is completely off. And I was thinking about it. I was thinking about it today. 
there was one bat mitzvah, also seventh grade is bat mitzvah, bar and bat mitzvah season. So that's why, I mean, and in the Valley and I mean, in LA, in LA, I feel in like, LA, like what 40 million, oh what a season. best partying season of all time. I still have not partied as hard as I did in seventh grade. Also, Every weekend you had a bat mitzvah. A, no, every Saturday for a consistent year. It was just, yeah. oh, okay. I was, if this is my life, I'm down. <laughs> this is great. I had something to do every weekend. And every it was Saturday. like, you go and you listen to One Two Step. That was my, my, oh my God, my song is playing was One Two Step because there was a dance move uh, with it. The One Two Step <gasps> dance. One Two Step. Oh two my step, God, of yeah. So I was, I remember there was like one bat mitzvah where I had the biggest crush on this dude. I was, and I had never kissed anyone yet. Mind you, let me paint you a picture. I had braces. My mom didn't let me shave my legs or my armpits. So I weren't allowed to... Wasn't allowed to shave anything. Also really wasn't allowed to cut my hair. I have super long pilgrim hair. My My mom didn't let me shave my armpits or my legs. So I looked crazy. I mean, it's very hip. I mean, yeah. Now I'm I'm doing that every day. That ends in one. I don't ever shave my armpits or my leg hair. But in seventh grade, when everyone is shaving their armpits and their leg hair, they were, I was, I looked crazy. And I remember I had the biggest crush on this dude. And at this party, I guess this other girl wanted to make out with him or something. And he didn't want to make out with her or typical seventh grade bullshit. And I remember he was like, can you pretend to make out with me? I had not (gasps) kissed a boy yet. I had not kissed a boy yet. All I wanted in this life was to kiss a boy. That was my goal in seventh grade. If I don't kiss a boy, which it didn't happen. Yeah, same. It happened in eighth grade for me. It happened summer going into freshman year of high school for me. So I was a very late bloomer when it came to making out. And we pretended to make out. Our faces got very close, but we didn't actually. And I had the biggest crush on him. No. And I was, what? I remember going, coming home that night and just being like, why? Why can't this happen for me? I get so close. I mean, literally, physically so close. So fucking close to kissing a dude. And he just wants to pretend, which is also the weirdest thing. Maybe he actually liked you. I have no idea. But he was one of the hottest guys in school. And Mm. I was like, I mean. see, you had that experience of going to school. You went to a co-ed school. I did not go to a co-ed school. That's so crazy. It was just... I mean, that's why we all had crushes on male teachers who were like, on a scale one to 10, they were like fours and fives. I mean, now that you think about it, they were probably like 28. But because they were a guy, oh, we yeah. made them tens. All of them were tens and we all had crushes on them. And it was crazy. To see boys were, were bat mitzvahs and I had crushes on every... Oh my God, I was, I was obsessed. But I remember one time I had a, the biggest crush on this guy, Max Gray, who is my <laughs> best friend now. <laughs> I was in seventh grade. I had the biggest crush on him. And I would look at, because every year, my brother went to a co-ed school and he'd bring home, I think they made this roster of new faces. Do you, did they? <laughs> a that? yearbook? Like a yearbook, but for the beginning but it was of like the year? For the beginning, yeah, no, I didn't have that. It was so I'm, weird. It was that's new amazing. faces or whatever. <laughs> and I saw a picture of Max Gray and I was like, that's it. He looked Princess Diaries, uh, Robert Schwartzman. Robert Schwartzman? Prin- yeah, oh. in Princess Diaries. And I was... I was in. And Layla, my best friend, I had never met him. She, I had the roster in my house. So I had his number. And <gasps> Layla, my best friend was like, okay, what we're going to do, he's going to love this. We're going to call him and we're going to blast Baba O'Reilly by the who, because that's cool. So we're going to have that playing in the background. You're going to pick up the phone, pretend you didn't even realize we called him. <laughs> 
so that he knew you listened to classic rock. <laughs> I'm done. So we did it. There's no cell phones. So we called him from a landline. Bob O'Reilly, Layla decides to add some flair to it to make it seem like I'm at a party. So she oh. starts in the background going, Oh we're, my god! I mean, we're seventh grade, so it's twelve. Yeah, 13. no, psychotic. And I call Max. I'm like, "Hey, oh my god, hey, it's Sasha." He was like, "Who?" And I was like, "Sasha, I'm Theo's sister," because I was known as my bro- older brother's sister right. always. And he goes, "Oh, hey, what's up?" No, he didn't even say what's up. He goes, "Oh, hey," and I was like, "Hey," and I had nothing to talk about with him. So there was just silence, cold, cold silence. And I go, "All right, well, I'll talk to you later." Hung up, <laughs> Layla blasts Bob O'Reilly even more. And I start crying. I'm I think I like even, crying. I shoved her and I was like, why did you make me do that? Why did oh you make my me? God. And she was, oh God. I mean, but those moments, by the way, Max Gray and I are just truly best friends. So it's, it's, it's wonderful, but. Oh my God. I know, dude. Feeling. I mean, the story's gone forever. Like I remember my, remember three-way calling where of people course. went, People would call you, but you didn't know that they were on. Yes. And my my best friend at the time, I had the biggest crush on this guy. I'll even say his name because he's the best and we're friends now. But this kid, Kane, he was the hottest guy. He was a Julian Casablancas. Also, if you're tuning into this now and you just are, I'm like now thinking about all the people like listening to our stories from seventh grade. But I think it's, I mean, I think. Oh, funny, I'm so an open I'm, book you know, story. Oh, I love talking about I'm just worried stories. for the people that are like, you guys stop talking about seventh grade, but I can't stop talking about it. But, oh, no, no. Um, this is, we're going to, we're going <coughs> to, they're going to listen. One of my friends was best friends with him and he literally looked like Julian Casablanca. Like he, he did wear like, he would wear like vintage tees and like skinny blue jeans. And I, and he Vans, like classic slip-ons, classic slip-ons. Or Converse. Like, so he wore, no, he wore Converse. You're yeah, right. yeah, he yeah, wore Converse. Yeah, okay. And he played the drums and he was the only other musician in my in my middle school. that. And he's incredible. I mean, even today, he's one of the most incredible drummers I've ever met in my life. He's great. And he was so fucking good. And so I'll never forget, my friend called me and she had well known that I like liked Kane. And well she called known. me... Well known. Oh my God, we haven't even talked about Love Island. It's we haven't talked. We'll save that for the end. So, there's the, the, our next <laughs> podcast. So she called me and she was like, do you like Kane? And I was like, what? Of course I do. Like, <laughs> of course I like Kane. Like, I love him. I'm obsessed with him. And she was like, yeah, but like, would you like want to date him? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, of course I would want to date him. And then I'll never forget like, a phone picks up and it's like, hey, Kane, get off the phone. I need to use the phone because this is also what in times where we were all using landlines and his mom no, no, had no. gone on the phone and was like, Kane, get off the phone. And I remember being like, no, are you fucking kidding me? And I had been duped. No. And then he like didn't. And then, and then in like pure seventh grade, like rules, like you don't talk, like if you know that someone likes you, you don't talk to them for like 17 years. So. <laughs> That is a rule. Yeah, it's an unspoken rule. If you find out that a girl likes you, you just refuse you to truly talk to never her look for, at them. forever. Yeah, you never look at them. You pretend like they don't exist. Like. Yeah. I mean, I still, but this is going back to like, we are seventh graders forever. Even in college, freshman year, I hooked up with this guy and it was such an embarrassing hookup. It was so awkward. It was weird. And I, and I left the dorm room feeling deeply uncomfortable and just, oh God, that was brutal. I can't believe I probably have to see him 
all over campus. And for the next four years, I saw him everywhere. And <laughs> when I say we did not even, we did not make eye contact. We would ignore each It was full ignoring each other. And I would be like, walking his direction. I'd see him coming and I'd be like, oh, I think class is actually this way. I'd move the other. I mean, it was, but one time our senior year, because it, it got really, it was Providence, Rhode Island. It got very icy and everyone would just take <laughs> massive spills. And that was one of the greatest things about going to school on the East Coast. But people would be leaving their classes and take massive spills. And I saw him at a distance. I was like, oh, got to turn around, like doing my like 180. But then I saw him just take one of the craziest falls down like 20 steps like boom 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 and I felt oh like I got god. like I was like, oh god thank god but then our commencement I mean I, I, we had this thing called campus dance which was the last night before graduation and he came up to me and we had a really lovely conversation and it felt right it just felt like that's okay, all you could ask me. for but it's I awkward. Mean, still to this day we haven't figured it out so no. I don't know. if you're listening to this podcast and you want to date uh, two Jewish neurotic bitches. <laughs> we we know how Zertek. Available. Yeah. You are no, fine with always constantly being constantly being anxious and just not knowing what to say. But also people your pleasing. Actually, people pleasing. You and I are great in relationships because we we're super aware of the other person. We're like oh yeah. Incredibly, I mean, I'm I was a people pleaser for the worst in my past relationships in terms of just giving into the toxicity and being like, I'll excuse your behavior because I love <laughs> do you. Do you turn in, do you turn into the, what you think the person like likes in a relationship? Oh, I am a chameleon, but oh, now, 100%. chameleon, but now not really, not really. Now I'm just over the song and dance. I'm going to just be fully me and transparent, which is, I think a beautiful thing about getting older. It is. And, uh, but no, in past I am chameleon. My ex, was he drove an old pickup truck and had woven blankets in the back. And so my style was very mixed media with woven blankets and courage and totally and Western boots. And I, I became the person he wanted me to become. And then my ex before that was kind of Hollywoody. And so I wore a lot of makeup and I went to the chateau with him and wore tights and stiletto. I don't even know. It was weird. And I then mean, the worst, um, I, I, for me, I, I, I feel like 50% of my boyfriends have always been British dudes. And I think totally. the worst thing that comes out of that is I start saying British slang. Oh, I'm just going to wait in the queue. Everyone's like, who are you? Stop. But you guys, like, to be fair, you guys got really... Your first place that you really blew up was England, right? 100%. Yeah. Like, it was the UK. I, I'm, guys- obs- I'm obsessed with the UK. I've always been obsessed with the UK. Yeah. But, but when we are... The, old, the only label that ever wanted to sign us was a label in the UK. Hashtag Polydor. We love Polydor. We love but, but they, we got signed to the UK for first. So we, I was there for, I thought that I was going to be in the UK for two weeks and we ended up staying, basically ended up staying for like almost two it's years. so cool. So cool. And it was the best, it was the best time of my life. I was young and you could drink there illegally because yeah. it's not 21. And I was like super young and like was dating a bunch of British dudes. It was a great But you start great saying, time. you start adapting. But I think even when you and I hang out, we start talking almost similar. We do start blending into the other. It's just, yes. if you're, if you're an empathetic person, <laughs> you can sometimes take on other people's personalities. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. But it's, it's people wild. pleaser, chameleon. I hope one day... I can figure this whole 
thing out. I feel like this whole podcast has just been about us, our dating throughout the years, which I'm so in for because well, this hello, is like, it what? also informs music. All of this yeah. is background to what you and I write songs about. So it's all it's very true. important, I think. I think it's it is important very important. To, and I have my diary entries from when I was eight. I kept a diary from eight to, I mean, I still keep a diary, but I have one diary that's eight to 14. And it goes from like Leonardo DiCaprio to my first hand job. <laughs> and it is so real. And that is the name of your memoir, by the way. From Leo to HJs. To HJs. But I was, yeah, I, I, I always go back and look at my diary entries just because I find that even writing lyrics, I will try to write these very florid kind of wild lyrics that seem really intellectual. And then I will erase them and just write the exact sentiment, which is exactly what I do in my diary. And I think that is informs, I try to have it inform my songwriting to this day. Just totally. being direct with lyrics rather than being like, I want to be smart and and have these sort of florid, mysterious lyrics. And then I just write another lyric that's way more direct. And I find that that one does the trick much better. I'm so jealous that you have... Diaries. You have diaries from when you were... I, I mean, every time I've tried to do... To write in diaries. I do it sometimes when like something very in, insane happens. Like I write down like my thoughts. Well, now people, I, call I keep a lot of people call it journal. People call it journaling. journaling. Yeah, I don't... And I've never been able to like, keep it consistent. Like it's always just like very jumps around my life. But I've... It's like I what I would give... What I would give to read how I was when I was young. My thought... I've, I've found like live journals oh. for all you young listeners out there that don't remember live journal but wait live journal i want to like, see yours and you can see mine. oh my god i'll show you i'll send it to you but okay. it was i was so dark For I was sure. like, like hormones when hormones hit i was like the darkest i remember like there was just like one entry that was like i hate everything i hate everything i hate <gasps> everything like a bunch of like i hate everything and then of course there's like one comment from like my one friend that followed my live journal that was like are you okay <laughs> I was like so dark, and I like don't remember being that dark. But I, I mean, I, I everything felt catastrophic when I was like in well, it's sliding school. down like, the door. It's sliding yeah, exactly it's sliding, it's sliding down, down the door. door. And honestly, at this point, I would slide down a door again because I haven't really changed that much. I think we but, could benefit like, from a door slide for sure. I think I know, that would be I'm, cathartic in a way. It would be crying. That's going to be the name of my memoir. Crying and sliding down a door. Crying and sliding? (laughs) Crying and and sliding. Crying and sliding. Alana Haim's story. Alana (laughs) Haiming. It rolls off the tongue. But no, it is true. I mean, what? I mean, it's so crazy. It is crazy that I still, I feel the same. I mean, I just turned 29 and it's just like, yeah. I can't believe that I, I like still feel like I have the same impulses same. and instincts that I did when I was 15. But that's why I think your diary entries would be exactly as you'd expect them to be. You'd right. be so surprised. Mine, I speak the same way that I did in seventh grade. It really is troubling, actually. Have I not evolved at all? <laughs> I'm still just boy crazy. And am I gonna, and just so fearful of the future and doubting myself constantly? <laughs> Exactly. Like yes. I sang for the talent show. I wasn't that great, but maybe I was good because I did get third place. But I don't know. It's very, <laughs> this is very just so just imposter syndrome since I was seventh grade. I know, and I'm also like I'm I'm so thankful that I didn't have like a smartphone throughout my whole oh seventh grade. Like God. I remember, I remember trying to get a a photo off your digital camera, and it took like. 50 hours like that was like like I ha- I think I had like a digital camera that was like 
super cheap, like from Costco, but it was like a huge mechanism with like the tiniest screen. Like the screen was like so tiny. And I remember (laughs) I would take photos, but then they would just stay on the camera because like getting it from the camera to your computer took like software and shit. I couldn't figure it out. No, I know. And so like, because I remember Instagram came out when I was 2011. Yeah, like when I was, I was out of high school at that point. So I didn't have it. And I'm like, and now I'm, because also I feel like if we had Instagram, like we would have known how to do our makeup and like how to dress. Like I literally, like, <laughs> like there are some photos, I mean, going down the rabbit hole, of, like my, like what I thought was like cute in, in those times. I, I mean, I'm very thankful again. It, I'm it made so me, grateful. It forced me to be the funny girl, which I love being the funny girl. Yes. Funny girl is my vibe. I love being the funny girl, funny but it's just wild. Best. It's so crazy. I'm so it's I'm really so grateful nice. too. It's it, 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 at the time I was not so grateful, and I prayed for a different face. I literally was like, "Please make me wake up and look," because my older sister, she's my half sister technically. I think of her as my whole sister, but because she's my half on my mom's side, she doesn't have my dad's any of my dad's genes. So she she looks like Grace Kelly, and she's got this classic Hollywood beautiful blonde bombshell, like stunning. And she's an actress and I, she was 14, she is 14 years older. And so I grew up with her being so hot and 20, okay, if I'm 12, yeah, 26 and so hot and dating the hottest actors and the coolest people. (laughs) And I was just looking in the mirror at my freckles, at my pale skin, at my big nose, at (laughs) my just, I don't even know. I just felt so not beautiful. And it was such a, I'm so, I'm so grateful that I felt that way because I know I really am. I really am. Cause it just, and I think everyone, even just the people you look at who just are so undeniably beautiful and make money off of their face, (laughs) they too have been, everyone feels Everyone has insecurities. And that was actually something growing up, actually learning that. I mean, it's such a simple thing. Everyone has insecurities. Obviously, everybody Mm -hmm. has insecurities. But it is comforting to know that because you're just like, oh, I'm not alone. No, we're not alone. And then meeting you (laughs) to bring it back to us and our friendship. We very much, it was very sisters immediately. Even though we were both trying to impress the other with like, that's all. Also, to (laughs) Alana and I, when we were living together, we were obsessed with Love Island, UK. Yes. British yes, Love, Island. Love Island, UK. We were obsessed. Yes. We started Insanely speaking obsessed. like yes. the cast. 100%. And to this day, it's very vibes. 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 Dies. Ellie dies. Oh my God. It's everything it's I want on paper, but there's no spark. There's everything I want on paper, there's no spark. <laughs> oh, she's Are you my grafting? she's my bird Alana got really good at the accents you really did you got so and I I I feel like that's the to the point where as when I was moving I eventually moved out of Sasha's place because I mean I feel like I not that I had I would stay there any you know but I I, at that point I was dating someone so like I was I needed to get out of place (laughs) but and I'm not dating that person anymore I'm very single for anyone that's listening very single guys (laughs) but as I'm leaving as a gift, because I'm, again, bringing it back to, you always have to bring a gift. You always have to say thank you with a gift. I bought Sasha a custom uh, Love Island water bottle. <laughs> the water bottles that they have on, with, and I ordered it with Sasha's name on it. And I got one too. She got one too. And for Halloween of last year, <laughs> we were going to be there. This we'll year, see. this year, we'll, we'll see if we're going to be 
Love Island characters. I, would, oh, no, I would know, I know, but I feel Love Island's a bit dated now. I know it's a bit dated. I haven't I know. watched it. Well, there hasn't a new season. I've watched. I'm I'm all caught up. I, think I know. A new season to happen. COVID. Come on. Like, we, we love reality. Also, if everyone knows, I mean, everyone should know. I am on the Heim family Hulu account. I, that so is every true. time I sign in, it's like, who would you like to sign in as? And I'm Sasha Heim. It's true. I like you. I and you can use that's like a, a sense of like true friendship when like you literally have the passwords to like everything. Like you could oh, literally no, have, we my have Hulu, each, Netflix, you have Amazon. my passwords. Yeah. You have my you we we it's very very everything. Yeah, everything. What's okay. mine is yours. What's mine is yours. Really? <laughs> oh my god, this is so fun. 